0: Just a quick note before we get started that this episode is part of our Blast from the Past series where we spotlight one of the amazing members of the LA Tech ecosystem from our archive. And if you're a new listener or you're just looking for more great LA Tech content, dig into the back catalog. There are literally hundreds of conversations to choose from. Enjoy the episode.
1: And then I think it's the mom and me. I have three children. And it just, I can't tell you, I would cry when I'd see, I'd go in and I'd see these kids and think, How are they out here? Who, you know, what happened? I'm
0: Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. Welcome back to the We Are LA Tech podcast here in the beautiful Santa Monica, where I get to celebrate an extraordinary woman in tech doing something to better our world, which I love. Hello, Denise. Hello. Thank you for having me. Of course. So, Denise, go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone and tell them a little bit
2: about who you are and what you do. I'm Denise mccain Thornstrom. I'm the founder and president of Our Children LA, and we are a nonprofit that was created to empower and connect homeless individuals to services and help them build a life out of poverty. And when was this created? Well, we had a journey. So we actually were originally created in, um, back in 2012 to create a print directory of services for homeless youth for the L.A. City Library. And pretty soon realized, first, everybody wanted us to go countywide. but I'm seeing how fast that goes out of print. And also um, kind of took a look around and said, this is great. Librarians and teachers are going to use a print directory, but if you're homeless, who would ever walk into any resource center yeah. and say, may I have a directory of services for homelessness, please? Yeah. So we started looking at, well, we need an app. And But do the homeless have phones? They do. And you, I can't tell you how many times I'm asked this question. Um, first of all, there's a lot of research in uh, NR12 focus groups that showed us between 70 and 75 percent of the street homeless youth have phones. Right. Um, but under 40 people that are homeless, it's actually higher. Right. And one of the reasons is is it's the federal lifeline program which actually requires that service carriers give for free smartphones to anyone who is super low income or homeless.
0: Uh, and oh, for free. So they don't have some because it's like where is the address that the bills being sent to.
2: No, it's free. And yeah. that's that's the whole point. There is no you don't have to have an address. You get limited minutes, but you and you get a smartphone and no it is not the iPhone 10, uh-huh. but it is a smartphone. And with that, you can, you have some limited minutes and everyone knows that you can call and get your emails and everything else with Wi-Fi. So even being homeless, you have an email. You,
0: uh, of course. Give us, maybe give us the lifestyle of what it is to be homeless, like the average homeless person. Who is the average homeless person?
2: It's really, and actually there's more than one population. So we have, um, what we've found and what we look at, we have what we call the street homeless. And the street homeless that we serve, which are not the chronic, people that are chronically homeless tend to have such severe trauma accompanied frequently by mental illness that they don't keep track of a phone. But that's actually a very small percentage of our homeless here in Los Angeles and everywhere. So street youth that are homeless um, tend to be between the ages of 16 and 25. They virtually all have cell phones or have a friend who does. They nearly 100 percent of them in, and we did 14 focus groups over 12 months when we were creating this, just going to drop-in centers to talk to street homeless. And they all regularly go to the libraries. They grew up with mobile technology. They can't imagine not having some way to connect to the world. I mean, they've already been rejected and tossed out. They really prioritize that phone. Um, another population that is huge is our homeless college students. And with them, we're looking at 100% having a cell phone. We see kids that are typing their college papers on their cell phones when the libraries are closed. Wait, homeless college kids? In LA County, we, um, the, actually, I may not have read this, the Chancellor of the Cal State System did a survey that came out two Januaries ago of all of our Cal States in California because there were so many stories of homeless college students. And they found that one in 10 of Cal State students are either homeless or what they call severely food insecure, meaning they haven't had a meal in up to two days and they don't know where their next meal will come from and they're going to college. Our local community college president, and we have nine community colleges here yeah. in L.A. County, he said, well, I feel that we, we're hearing these same stories. We'll use the same survey methodology. They did, and that came out in July of 2017. One in five. Of L.A. counties, community college students are homeless, and another nearly two-thirds are food insecure.
0: So they're, they're going to college, I assume, to better themselves to get out of this situation that they're in.
2: Absolutely. And they have, I mean, these are our future. They have resiliency. They have the ability. But they just don't have a support system. And Cal States and community colleges, what, one thing they share in common is they don't provide housing. So your financial aid packages don't include it either. I
0: mean, this is crazy. And what is your background? How did you end up to where you are right now?
2: It's been a journey. Um, My background, long ago and far away, I was an attorney and I practiced law. I was a prosecutor, commercial litigator, and appellate attorney. I stopped. Um, My youngest child was very ill. And by the way, she became my only college athlete. She's totally fine now. But um, I stopped working. My husband was transferred out here to L.A. And I ended up going into getting a couple more degrees and doing a lot of policy work and philanthropy work here in Los Angeles and was have been very involved with a foundation a friend of mine started called the Every Child Foundation. And I ran their grant screening for a while, um, their grant screening program actually for three years. And we were finding that money is awesome and we right. all need it for programming. Right. But sometimes there's system barriers and you really need policy efforts to make a change. So I started um, training women in the foundation how to get involved in public policy and become child advocates and running their policy committee. And one of our issues was homelessness. And we were looking at homeless youth. And this was back um, in 2012. And the conversation here in L.A. and elsewhere was just really looking at veterans and chronic homeless. And everybody else was off the radar back then. And, and we I had no idea there was such a thing as homeless college kids. Yeah, people didn't. And they didn't even think about the unaccompanied youth. I mean, we have just in the 2017 Homeless count, we had over 6,000 unaccompanied youth who are homeless between the ages of 12 and 25. Um, so anyway, we, start, we started kind of pounding the table to look at youth and then to look at families. And the city library system asked me if I, they knew about our work and said, can I bring and put together a little workshop for all the city librarians And they told me that they had so many homeless youth using the library as a safe space. And librarians with their amazing masters of library science and all that they do, they were bringing in extra sex lunches and sweaters and, you know, for kids. Because they didn't know how to connect them to services. So we did a workshop and I just facilitated all these amazing providers are the ones that talked. And at the end I closed and I just said, well, what else can we get you? And the librarian said, can we please have a guide that helps us know wherever we are in the city? Because um, obviously San Pedro and Pacific Palisades, they need to know something a little different. Right? Um, we want to know how to connect the youth in front of us to services. And I said, oh, sure. Yeah. And then I started looking into it. And to my shock, there wasn't one. And then I talked to some agencies. And everybody said it wasn't their mission to yeah. do it. And I just got plain angry. I mean, I just was thinking, oh my God, really? So we, no one thinks it's their job to provide this. And yet that means, then I started talking to schools, teachers,
1: librarians, Right. nobody knew how to connect kids. And then I thought, well, then how are the kids going to connect themselves? I mean, if you're hungry, you know what you need. Yeah. Don't you deserve a tool that you could look it up and find out where you can get food? So I created this little directory for the city library and all of a sudden people started calling me. I mean, I didn't even know how they knew about it asking if I would get them one, if I would do it countywide. Um, And so the long story is, short of this story is really, is that I said, well, I'll go countywide, um, but I need to find out, I mean, this is great for those who are trying to refer people to services, but what about the kids themselves? And an LAPD officer is actually one um, that said to me, why don't I do a mobile app?
2: And the funny thing is I only had a Blackberry
1: and I would never had an app before, (laughs) but I decided that, you know, I kind of looked into it and and said, you know, that is the way to go and started assembling a volunteer team and we built our first app.
0: Uh, How? Like, how did you attract, did you go to a hackathon? How did you attract these people and not being a coder yourself? How did you all of a sudden oversee the development of a mobile app?
1: I actually started talking about it at um, different things around the city, um, going to homeless collaborative meetings. Um, every region of the city, actually of the county, has a collaborative of providers that all get together, some of them monthly, some of them quarterly, that work with homeless. And I just started talking about it, and I talked about it at Every Child. And some folks started stepping up and saying, well, this I used to be a tech consultant, and yeah. I know someone who's actually wants to give back and would like to code. And then that person said, I know someone else would like to code with me. And so we got a very tiny but mighty team that we pulled together. And how did I oversee my job? Was I did not look at and evaluate the code. What I did is I was the one that knew the space. And I had developed relationships with drop-in centers where straight youth would go to get a meal and have a space space for a few hours. And I just started going and spending time at drop-in centers and talking to kids and then doing formal focus groups ultimately and saying, what do you need? What would you look for? Um, Ultimately, we were bringing in PowerPoints so it could be on a screen so that the kids could actually see what we were thinking about. And they'd say, that doesn't make sense and add this and change that. And they actually ended up, um, by the end, I had them... They. Voted and named the app, which is Win, which stands for What I Need. Yeah, um, they chose the logo. We did a competition on a crowdsource site with like professional right. logo designers, and then had some folks that helped me narrow it down to six that had an art background, and then brought those six to the drop-in centers and had kids vote on it.
0: And and how did you get the word out about Win to the the market? Really, how many people do you have using it today?
1: Right now, we're actually in kind of a I call it a slow stall, yeah. because we're in beta for an, a new version of When, which I'm super excited about. We're the we're meeting with next week. Actually, we now have a professional developer. Yeah, um, with all of our feedback, and we should have it in the stores by the end of May. Nice. Um, but how did we get the word out originally? Um, might have heard me say we're all volunteers, so yeah. that did not imply a lot of money. You did <laughs> not see it. Our dream would to be on buses and in bus benches and all the neighborhoods where you would find people that are homeless. But what we did is that we went and did pizza parties at the drop-in centers Ah. um, to tell all the youth and the staff and to show them how it worked. And then we also, um, LA County Office of Education's Homeless Liaison Division has been um, hugely supportive and they printed lots of posters and we've got them up in youth source centers and shelters and, um, L.A. Homeless Services Authority has been tremendous. They feature the app on the website and also promote it. And so that's so far how we've been doing. We're hoping to, I know we will retain all that. We're hoping to step that up. And in an ideal world, we'll get a big funding boost so we can be on those buses.
0: Was there a personal, if you don't mind me asking, was there a personal story uh, that inspired you? I mean, this takes a lot of work and a lot of dedication and a lot of belief. And you seem like a, purpose, a a person that's driven by purpose. Is there something personal in your life, something that triggered you that you're like, I have to do this? I have to wake up every morning and make this
1: happen. Honestly, I mean, I w- I've i never been homeless. I've been asked that. Um, no, not in that sense. I grew up with very young parents who were amazing, and I don't know how they managed to put it all together. And I always had a roof over my head and good food to eat, and our mother made our clothes, and it was just amazing, an yeah. amazing childhood. And yet I know that other people who have parents that aren't as resilient and as resourceful um, didn't have that experience right. That that I did have and then i think it's the mom and me i have three children and it just i can't tell you i would cry when i'd see i'd go in and i'd see these kids and think how are they out here who you know what happened and yeah. nobody there is nobody That's under the age of 25. And I will say, probably at any age, but this was the age group I was looking at at the time. Yeah. One of them ever had said when they were five or 10, what do I want to be when I grow up? Oh, I hope I'm homeless. I mean, they got abandoned some way. They got left out. They didn't get what they needed. And that just broke my heart. It still does.
0: I could, I could, I could feel your energy right now. I feel your, sincerity it's very moving so your organization is our children and our children built the win app with the help of volunteers and you steer what is it called steer heading steer something steering the project (laughs) and um what kind of impact long term do you hope the win app will have and win stands for say it again
2: what i need
0: what i need the win app what i need what uh what kind of impact do you see the What I Need app, the Win app, having long term on the homeless community and helping them evolve out of being homeless?
2: Our
1: long term vision and what we see is that the Win app will connect people to services sooner and that it will empower people and make them more receptive to services as well. I think myself, probably you as well, if you know something that you need, and you have a way to search for it, evaluate, and choose that help. You're receptive to that help. And you trust that help. There's already a trust divide that has been breached. That's a good thing. Um, our goal is really, back in the day, um, there were pay funds everywhere and signs and towns were smaller and people found folks that were homeless and housing wasn't so expensive. So there were so many homeless. Yeah. Now, there are no payphones. phones. You can't find everybody. And so what we, what we want and what our vision is, is that everybody knows and has this app on their phone, that everybody knows that this is how you can find help and that it is available to you and that you just have to reach out. What's an example of one of the amazing resources that I could find on the Win app? Well, we have 12 categories of services and over 1,800 programs in the app right now. Um, so amazing resources. Um, if you're on the street, a lot of homeless youth and adults on the street adopt a pet. Well, one of the barriers for the folks that have adopted a pet and getting them into shelter is that you usually can't take your pet with you and this bright, they don't want to be separated and they also need vet care. So there are vets that offer free vet care for homeless people and that will help them place pets until they're stabilized. So we have that listed. We have where you can get free haircuts, where you can get where is there free food any day of the week near you? Um you can also look for um, job support. You can look for educational support. You can look for um, housing. and I will say that's super important, and it's a little trickier because we've all read how difficult it is here in Los Angeles, but there is a process that the county uses called a coordinated entry system. And we link people so where they can go to do that. Um, Meanwhile, they can go to drop-in centers. Where in L.A.
2: is Our Children based? Our Children L.A. is
1: virtual. So I work out of my
2: home. My (laughs) volunteers work out of theirs. We meet
1: in coffee shops or at my dining room table.
0: Is there a specific area in L.A. that you meet more than other areas?
1: No, there isn't because it depends on where my volunteers are and where my interns are. So um, one of our, I mean, the, I almost hesitate to call her, she's not just a volunteer because she's been a consistent volunteer with a lot of um, technology consulting background, but she's based in South Bay. And so when she works with students, they'll meet at her house, like intern's. I tend, if I get students um, from USC or UCLA, we tend to find, you know, somewhere right near where they are right. to meet. Um, I have volunteers that live in the Valley and in La Canada. And I, I'm definitely in a have a car will drive. Yeah. Kind of mode.
0: know, yeah, I started calling my car an adventure machine. <laughs> That's so it good. It changes the perspective. It does. because Now I'm not getting into like this insane amount of traffic. I'm Going on an adventure,
1: <laughs> and
2: and you got to have something good to listen to, like your podcast, oh, right? Thank you.
0: Yes, yeah, very much so. I totally tune into my podcast or my Audible books, definitely. And but getting back to what's important, which is our children and when, and like, what can we do as a community to support you in accelerating when forward and supporting our children?
1: Well, I maybe mean, the things that we are looking at right now is, I mean fundraising so we can have paid staff i mean this is such a needed thing and we're being asked to bring it to other areas of the country and i you know you always think about that proverbial bus hitting you and then yeah. what happens yeah um and the way you avoid that when if as an organization to become um, fiscally sustainable which would mean bringing probably having um somebody either in house or on our board that was consistent that actually has an app development background would be awesome But as a wider community, the biggest and greatest thing is getting the word out. Because we, this new app, I can't tell you how excited I am with what we have in a, we have push technology so we can send announcements. We've got an emergency I need help thing. We've got audio and helpful information. Is it on
0: Android and iPhone? It
1: is. It's on both. And the new one has been completely redesigned and upgraded. And and what we've started with is amazing. And we've been so proud of it. But what we've got coming is just fantastic. But the most fantastic app is re- really worth that much if people don't know about it and don't use it. So that's yeah. really, really what we need.
0: I mean, was it ever daunting uh, embarking in developing a mobile app when you weren't formally in
1: tech before? I can't tell you how much sleep I've lost. <laughs> yes, horribly daunting. Unfortunately, I, can't. I
0: understand how much sleep you've lost.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just, I really... I kept thinking surely, truly, I, the first year I'm working on it and I'm putting, I mean, my husband's been frustrated at my 50, 60 hour weeks, but when it's all volunteer, I am the main volunteer. Yeah. But I kept thinking of oh, surely someone's going to kind of ride in and say, I can do this. And that doesn't happen. Um, and yeah. I, I think that's probably true for any idea in any startup, but it yeah. is daunting. And I, was scared to death. And back, there are times I still am. Yeah. I kind of keep thinking, you know, what am I missing? Totally.
0: I mean, I know it's a hundred percent different space, but the community-driven work that you do on um, really being supportive of the homeless community, helping them evolve into a better life for themselves, um, though it is just vital And it's not a comparison, but the heart of it is the same thing that I do with the Los Angeles tech community, where I want to create a safe, supportive, collaborative environment for people to support one another so that they can accelerate forward in in realizing their dreams, right? Yeah. And I think it sounds like we both have um, come under the same um, uh, uh, level of awareness or discovery and please correct me if I'm wrong. But at the end of 2016, when I got into this in 2012, um, I was a tech entrepreneur. And, and then this started as a community project. And now it's a business. But like in 2012, my vision was like, this is for the community, by the community. This is not this free show. I was very adamant about that. And it wasn't until t- I think it was the end of 2015 where I this unfortunate thing happened. And I realized, oh, like this needs me to be the leader like no one's going to do it it though i'm though i'm um doing a lot for the community it, like if if i don't do it it just won't like it's not this thing that i hoped that it was and it was really heartbreaking for me um and i then it was sometime months after that that i you know i made the conscious choice like is this how i want to invest my time my spirit my money my life and for very selfish reasons, primarily because I feel a lot, a huge sense of purpose, I continue to do it and be the leader. And don't talk about it that often how like it really is like I even feel like a little bit like blushy saying it now. But it really is me leading thousands of people <laughs> to be able to ha- foster meaningful relationships in this community. And um, that was tough. That was tough. And so it sounds like, and please do correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you've kind of experienced the same, like you have to make a choice that either you're going to lead it or it's not going to happen.
1: It's true. And the only difference, and I actually envy you your thousands, is it's very lonely where I am at because. Oh, no, it's lonely. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. Because in the nonprofit space, people don't really think techn- they don't do technology. In the yeah. technology space, they don't really do nonprofit. Yeah. And so here I am, n- never before having been on the nonprofit side or the tech side. Yeah. I've been on the funding, policy, and law right, side. And right. all of a sudden, I'm in this hybrid space yeah. with no real strong background prior to 2012 in either. Yeah. And it's... It's, you know, it feels like you're climbing mountains all the time. And yet you look at who you're serving and what the need is and you think this is the future. Leveraging technology to empower people to connect to services is, I think, the only way that it's going to be. Mm -hmm. And someone's got to start
0: that. I think we all feel more lonely than we'd like to as a community. And we just don't talk about it enough. I feel lonely a lot, especially when you're a community facilitator. I prefer that word. I just think leader is a little bit pompous. But (laughs) when you're a community facilitator and you're the one facilitating, um, there's no one facilitating alongside of you. (laughs) So everybody's looking to you to like problem solve. And it sounds like in... Within the community that, that you're serving, it's the same thing. It's everybody's looking to you to problem solve. And then so, yeah, it's daunting. But I, I think your your spirit and your passion and commitment to make this happen and your uh, knowledge of the um, real knowledge of how this affects people's lives and, and how they want to use the technology. And you're literally building it with them playing with it, saying, this is what I need what I need Mm -hmm. when Um, I just I it's like I love I love your story like I think it's really cool and I I hope that it continues to grow and grow and that you get the support you you need it's definitely deserved and and man I I mean I don't think we understand as a city uh, you know we think homeless and talk about typecasting homeless is the person on the street right Or the person saying something crazy or whatever, Mm -hmm. we don't think college kid homeless. We don't think seventeen
2: year old homeless. We think seventeen year old runaway. Exactly. You know, and so and then I, it's gotten some play recently in the LA Times, but a lot of people are fairly unaware of how many families that we have that sleep in cars that are homeless, and there are streets all around LA County that you will, if you know what the street is. And you go driving by about 5 o'clock, you start seeing cars pull in because of safety and numbers and families, you know of two, three, and four are pulling in and lining up behind each other in cars to sleep overnight because they have nowhere to go. yeah um, and then there's all the families. there's
1: families that are um, quadrupled up in one bedroom apartments and it's only in yeah. one person's name they could be kicked out at any minute. yeah, but the person that has it feels bad. For these other families, Um, LA County Office of Education they do um, a a survey every year of the school every school district in the county, and the numbers for last year is that there were over seventy thousand K through twelve kids that in um, Los Angeles in Los Angeles County who um, reported experiencing homelessness. So every one of those kids is representing at least one other person, whoever they're living with, and potentially more. Um, and these aren't counted in the homeless count in the numbers that we see because they are in hiding in cars and quadrupling up with other folks just to try to keep their children.
0: Before before we we wrap it up, I, I would like to take a moment to break stereotypes with you and for you to educate everyone, including myself. Um For the, for, I guess you call it the objection, well, why don't they get a job? Uh, You know, they're doing this to themselves. Uh, Can you educate us why that's just a
1: story that we tell ourselves? Um, All we have to do is look at minimum wage and then go look at the average price of an apartment here in Los Angeles County. People that don't have a lot of job experience aren't eligible for anything other than minimum wage. And then when you're if you're trying to feed yourself and go to school, there's not anything left. Even when you've gotten financial aid dollars to help cover tuition and part of your books, and it's the same story with families, particularly if it's a single parent. They um, the ones that are homeless typically are either homeless because of some catastrophe, an illness that meant someone couldn't work, or because they really don't have a good, a strong skill set, so they're only eligible for these very menial, um, low paying jobs. Um, and it's not the fault of the employer if that's what the job pays, but then that person's trying to support themselves and a family member. And, um, so many of them are precariously housed and then lose that and don't, and then can't find anywhere else. So it's, it's true. A lot of us, we think it's just the people we see on the street Particularly, we say we see the chronic homeless, and yeah. we think that's the face. And the chronic homeless is actually a small percentage of our homeless population. Really? Yes,
0: it's crazy. I'm stunned. How can people connect with you?
1: Well, they can email me at d.mccain at ourchildrenla.org. They can go to our website and connect through that, and they can download the app and connect through that. And in the new app, there'll be a feedback where you can even More directly connect, Can't, but love to hear from people and love to receive encouragement and support. So it's ourchildrenla.org. Yes,
0: and then uh, can you spell your email for us?
1: DMCCAIN at ourchildrenla.org.
0: Perfect, Denise. Thank you so much for spending time sharing your story with the We Are La Tech podcast, it's really been um eye opening. And incredible, and I really appreciate you for investing your time. Like I said before, your time, spirit, heart, money, resources, belief system, everything into into truly doing something to better the world. Well, it's incredible. Thank you
1: for having me. I always enjoy your show, and I'm just thank you. Was Thrilled to get the opportunity to
2: be here. Thank oh you. Oh my
0: gosh, they, they, it's it's like a love fest right now. Um, if you guys want to connect with more extraordinary entrepreneurs in the LA tech ecosystem, remember to go to wearelatech.com slash VIP. That's wearelatech.com slash VIP. Say hello on social at wearelatech, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I will see you guys, talk to you guys, here. you guys in the next episode. Bye. Yes, you can now get your We Are LA Tech tea. You've all been asking for it. Just go to com slash shop to be a part of the movement to make Los Angeles the top city in the world for tech. Yes, we are number three. Let's get it to number one. tech.com slash shop. Represent.